Hello everyone, my name is Declan Orr, at MalageY or at DepressedMalageFan on Instagram. Today I have Hampton Wiffle on the line. How you doing, man? I'm good, how are you? Alright, um, so uh, why don't you introduce yourself, um, talk about your league a little bit, and um, we'll get to some uh, questions and some topics. Alright, so I'm Jack Linney, um, owner of Hampton Wiffle Ball, commissioner. Uh, this is our fourth season. We've had seasons in 2017, 2019, 2020, and this current season, we're calling it 2021. We started it early. Um, we didn't play in 2018. I moved out of state, and uh, we couldn't play. So, And then I moved back, and that's when we picked up again. But, yeah, um, this year we have five teams. The year before that, it was four, and the year before that, it was three. So every year we've had another team come in uh, uh, season. And this year it's 16 due to five teams. Uh, you play each team four times in the year, and that's basically it. We just have one division. We don't do, like, AL, NL, that kind of thing. Um, that's basically it. I mean, our league kind of is like MLW a lot. Like, that's the biggest comparison I can give to it. The way the videos are edited, the rules we play by, that's what I'd say it is. So that's about it, I guess. Sorry, you broke up a little bit there. Uh, how many teams do you have? five this year all right so that's five teams um and uh so basically how did you get your inspiration i know you talked about lmw a little bit but um how, how did like um hampton come about and uh how have you guys kind of um evolved over the years so yeah um I, it was it was definitely 2012 or 2013 i was watching i saw mlw's youtube and uh i was about 11 or 12 at that point and I just loved what they're doing. I got obsessed with wiffle ball, but at that time I was like, I was pretty young. I couldn't really put together anything, so it was mainly just me and my brother, uh, just playing in the yard and stuff. And we'd play with our friends every now and then. And then it wasn't until about 2015, uh, when I moved to this neighborhood, there was like this, there's this big field, and the fence has that like ivy around it. Kind of reminds me of Wrigley. And I was like, this could be like a wiffle ball field. So I was like, yeah, let's start a wiffle ball league. Uh, and it was, at first we were going to do two-on-two wiffle ball league, and it was going to be three teams. But then we were able to get some more players. And in 2017, I started it with three teams. And I was kind of trying to make it official like early. Like I wanted everyone to have jerseys and stuff. Only one team ended up having them then. It was my team. But so, yeah, we started 2017. And from there on that's just what happened we in 2017 we it wasn't as official as it is now like we just would take out iphone every now and then record some clips but now of course we do like the whole camera setup record the whole game so yeah and for uh for a league that doesn't you know have uh as many subscribers you guys actually really really impressed me with your graphics i i've been taking a look uh the scoreboard looks amazing. Um, the, there's always um, it, it's always really really intriguing. It it's the same exact editing as MLW. It's going to show the last strike or the ball or um, if a ball's hit in play, and it, it, it honestly looks like the the uh, the fence is pretty far back there. But you'll see a home run every now and then, so that's pretty entertaining too. Yeah, thank you. Um, our dimensions, I'll, I'll say, I think it's about 75 feet to left, uh, 85 about the center, and then right is like 90, probably 95. So, yep. 
Alright, sorry about that, guys. Um, anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, and I also saw that you guys had your opening day on, I think, like a baseball field, right? Yeah, that was, so our field is like, like I said, it's in the neighborhood. It's not mine. It's not ours. We, we don't really have, uh, control over it. We just kind of get lucky and no one plays on it. So, uh, the people in our neighborhood sometimes have events there and like in COVID, they wouldn't let us play because, like, social distancing and stuff sometimes. But, um, so, yeah, for every now and then we'll have problems. They'll have to go to, like, a secondary field. And the field, I mean, the dimensions there are pretty similar. Like, I, I want to say it's the same almost. But, I mean, it's not perfect. But, I mean, it's just wiffle ball, so we never really stress it. So. Yeah, and um, I know you, I know you played for the Sharks. Um, and uh, how has your guys' year been going? And um, you know you're coming off an MVP season. So how is how is like translating from a player to a commissioner standpoint? Because um, you know relating to MLW, Kyle does you know um, all the editing, and he's also a player. And I'm assuming you do all the editing as well. Yeah. Yeah, so the thing is, uh, we always, like, joke around about my brother, like, I kind of like him. I want to say, like, we're both the commissioner, both edit the videos. Uh, and so, yeah, the MVP season, well, what we do for our team, our league, is if you don't play at least half the games, you can't win an award because, I mean, you just haven't had enough game time. So I've the first couple of years, I was, like, one of, like, only six or seven players to probably do that. And, I mean, my stats at the end of the year were just always better. People, I mean, I know that Kyle probably gets hate a lot because he's the commissioner and everything. It's the same in our league. People will say, like, oh, it's rigged. I'm the commissioner. I'm giving awards and stuff. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, it's kind of based off stats and just overall pitching skills and whatnot. Um, but as for my team, uh, the problem with my team is we haven't won a playoff series, like, ever. So... We just had our first playoff win last year, and I mean it's been pretty tragic. Our first year we were ten and two, uh, dominated, and then lost in the playoffs. Second year, uh, we were also ten and two, I think, and or wait, yeah, ten and two. And I I did a trade. It was kind of a stupid trade, but I traded players, and it was just kind of toxic for us, and we got eliminated then. And then this past year, we went 6-6. Six and six. It was our worst record we had. So we it was a three-game series. And we, it was one-to-one. -one. We won a game, and then we got eliminated eventually. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty tough for my team, at least, to win. But this year, we're 5-1, and one, uh, off to a good start. Um, we're Like I said, we're doing a 16-game season. So, I mean, we're still a long way away from what will happen when we get to the playoffs. But uh, – we have a new player. I'm liking his production. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. This year might go different. We'll see. I definitely felt like my pitches got better this year as well, too. Um, I have more control. I've, I've usually been kind of like a wild pitcher in the league, so I'm seeing a lot more control out of myself this year. So Yeah, um, so uh, basically, could you talk a little bit about the undefeated Black Sox and them coming off their... Uh the World Series year, is it any shock to you that they're this good? Yeah, well, it was a big shock last year, actually, because the thing was we, we decided to expand, and we gave the team to, like, probably 
if not the best player in our league, uh, Tyler Martin. We gave him, he was on the Polar Bears, and we just decided to give him his own team. And it was kind of weird the way his team was picked. Uh, we did like an expansion draft where we where certain teams could only keep one player. Everyone else went to the draft pool. So he kind of, he got a, a former retriever player, and um, he got a former uh, Sharks player, I guess. That was the kid I traded for. His name's Brylin. And then he got another kid who was supposed to be on the Polar Bears the year before, but he never showed up to any games. So that was like his rookie year, and he kind of just strung apart this like this team that I felt like would have no chemistry, and I felt like it would just be mediocre. A lot of people did. But at the end of the day, like they just had a lot of energy. Uh, Tyler was just an ace on the mound. And they were able to hit pretty well. Ryland and Aiden are the two other good hitters on their team. So it shocked everyone. But once we got to the playoffs, everyone kind of knew that they were the best team. So it, it, it shocked everyone how their season went because they didn't lose after their second game. I don't think they didn't lose another game. So that was a shock. Um, this year, they're undefeated. Um, but I felt like they I felt like they're coming off like kind of a slump year. Like they saw, if you've seen the videos and stuff, this past video, uh, they've had issues pitching. They've had a lot of walk issues. So we're actually supposed to play them tomorrow. Sharks versus Black Sox tomorrow. And, uh, I'm looking pretty confident for that game. So we'll see what happens then. Maybe we can break their, uh, streak. Yeah. I actually didn't see the, uh, the, uh, Black Sox Red Jays game. I was actually really, really unimpressed with all um, the walks that they were giving, um, and it just did not look like a good look. I mean, I I think they got a little lucky, if you're asking me. But mm-hmm. you know, um, sure, yeah. you know, sometimes there's a little luck to it. But uh, the the Black Sox don't look like uh, you know a perfect undefeated team for sure. Um, so, uh, we have a couple, we have a question about your league, um, this one comes from Angels Dugout, uh, will the league become as big as MLW? Uh, I hope it does, um, I always hope for that, but I mean, I don't know, it is what it is, uh, we have about 70 subs on YouTube, and I, I know when we, after our first or second year, we were sitting around 30, so yeah, very slow growth, um. But we're seeing we're seeing a lot more people get into it on our Instagram and stuff and YouTube, and uh, I would hope so. But the problem is, is that our our league, like I've seen a lot of other football leagues, and a lot of them are more of like kind of a younger age group, more like I would say like 12, 13 age. We're all about the same age as MLW. I think Kyle's like two years older than me, so I mean I'm still in college. A lot of players are still in college, um, but. We're all going to be out of college soon. Uh, well, not all of us, but a lot of us will, and me included. So uh, I'd say there's maybe like two years left, like definitely. But, I mean, in that time, I don't know how big we could get. So, I mean, as big as possible, hopefully, but we're just running out of time. Yeah, uh, I, I know I've spoken with uh, NWA Commissioner uh, Patrick Bowman in the past, and uh, he he's – also in college, and, uh, you know, that's that's kind of sucky part. You know, you get you get off to, you know, a rougher start, and um, I know personally uh, I'm not as old as Kyle, um, but, you know, um, it's, uh, it, it does really, it, it really impacts, um, you know, how you play because growth takes so, sh- 
such a long time. I don't know if you guys know about this, but it took MLW 10 years just to get 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I, I want to say they had, like, probably less than 100 when they were in, like, their second year. So, um, and it's definitely one of the, uh, one of the downsides for sure. Um, yeah, so, uh, getting into, uh, the next topic, um, so, uh, how, how is, um, your last few years, like, built off of, um, uh, these last few seasons and, um, going into this year, uh, how are you gonna have, like, you started really, really early, and now that you're starting really, really early, you're gonna be... Um, ending around the same time that you did last year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's gonna be like a, a bigger season, I'm assuming. Yeah. So this year uh, we're doing 16 games. We've only done 12. Uh, and the thing was, a lot of us in the league, um, instead of like going up to school or whatever, like in different cities of Florida. Uh, we a lot of us are home, so I was like, you know what, we should just get the season started, so we don't have to play this big season all in like the crunch of next summer, and that's just what we did. Um, so yeah, personally, me, I, I go to FSU, which is like five hours away from Tampa, and uh, it's gonna be like hard to go back and forth to get those games in. So I just figured, yeah, let's start it now. So basically, what we're doing, we almost played our first half of the season for all of our teams. So we're going to wrap that up uh, before the new year actually comes. Everyone will have played their half. And then I think it's going to pick up around March or April again. So it'll be like a big two-month break. And, yeah, we'll probably end in August again, I'll say. Yeah, and since there's five teams, like, uh, do you have, like, a sense of, like, what the playoffs are going to look like or, like, if some, some team's going to miss or a wild card? Yeah, so we're doing it different this year. Usually every team has made it, but this year uh, we just want to make the regular season count a little more. So we're just going to do, out of the five teams, one the fifth team will miss the playoffs. So it'll just be it'll be a normal format, four-team playoff kind of thing. Once One seed plays four, two seed plays three, and then the fifth seed just won't make it. That sounds and actually... those will be three-game series each, probably. Yeah, that sounds actually really, really interesting, and uh, that's like kind of the thing that I want to see because it's it's more entertaining to watch a regular season where not every team makes it because you're enticed just as much. And uh, mm -hmm. I know from watching MLW as a Mallards fan, every single se series counted. Like yeah. uh, watching in 2018, like I didn't really care as much because I knew we had just as much of a shot as winning as anybody. But if you're the fourth seed in MLW, then you're in your division you're you're not making it and mm -hmm. i think that that's like really really cool because you can follow your team and if they miss the playoffs then it's it's going to be like really really huge but if they make the playoffs they still have a chance to contend and i think that's really entertaining and a really yeah. really good move for the league mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah so um Han so hampton wiffle ball is um so you're four years strong right Yep, four years. Yeah, so basically, uh, how is, how has, uh, I don't want to get into like any question we've already answered, but basically, what do you guys, I know you answered it a little bit, but if you guys grow enough to the point where 
you can stick around for a little longer after college. Would you guys do that? Um, I think it'd definitely be a possibility. It's it's a matter of, like, if everyone's kind of living in the same area. Like, we're all from, we all live in Tampa, right? I know they're in MLW. Some kids actually don't live, like, wherever they play in, like, Brighton or something. I know they've done that. But I don't think anyone would probably drive, like, two hours for our games if, if I had to guess in, like, two years. So, I mean, it comes down if everyone is in town, well, if I'm in town mainly, because, I mean, I don't think anyone else could run the league. Like, yeah, my brother's in the league too. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he could get away with kind of just doing what I have to do, like editing and, like, all the graphics for the pictures. and stuff. So, I don't know. It comes down to, like, if I'm in Tampa still and we still have enough people in Tampa, then, yeah. Yeah, so it it really does depend on, like, how many people you have around and if the Whiffle Ball League has grown to a point where you still think it's good enough to put on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I know... I think everyone would want to play still, uh, even if it's not on YouTube, because, like, let's just say, like, after college, we just want to get together and play. Like, that's definitely a possibility, just, like, to the point of, like, yeah, being on YouTube and, like, having a league of teams and stuff. That's when it comes down to something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that uh, Kyle was kind of in the situation too. Um, they were all going to college in 2017, and uh, he he contemplated the fact of whether or not they were gonna, um, you know, stop uh, playing with ball once they went off to college. But since the league has grown so much, then they didn't want to stop it at the point where it just was, you know, accumulating more growth. And uh, it's good that they did because without it, it's pretty difficult to imagine what with ball would look like right now so yeah um yeah but uh i want to thank you for coming on man um this was really really awesome i hope that people actually um listen to this and actually get to know hampton with ball if, if you're if you're asking like me i think that it's really really entertaining because the score bug is awesome um i know i watched the sharks game um your your screwball is disgusting um, Thank you. that, that thing is, I, I saw, you, you throw it like every pitch, at least on the, for the final pitch. I don't know if it's like your, mm-hmm. you know, final pitch. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, really like disgusting. It's, it's a really good pitch cause it's always hitting the strike zone. It's always curving and, um, it, it's a, it's a really, really good wiffle ball league. Um, and, uh, there's home runs, there's walk fests. It's just like MLW from MLW the old days, I guess, 2018, 2019. But it can also be really, really competitive, too. So make sure you guys look at it. Um, at least give them a follow on Instagram. Um, at least watch one series on YouTube. Really, really entertaining stuff. I would definitely recommend checking them out. All right, guys, that's going to close it up. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to MLW in the Zone, a podcast where we talk all about MLW and the news and notes from around it. Hey everybody, my name is Declan, or at MallardsY, or at DepressedMallardsFan on Instagram. Um, I post stuff about MLW on my Instagram page. Um, give it a follow if you would like to. Alright guys, so today our fir- our guests for today are Brenda Jorgensen of the Great Lakes Creators and Luke, um, an analyst that we had on our show um, a couple days ago, a couple probably a week ago. Um, so guys, introduce yourselves um, and get to know, and let the fans get to know you. Uh, I'm Brenda Jorgensen. Rookie on the Great Lakes Skaters. Um, excited to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. 
And uh, I'm Luke, as you guys may remember from a couple weeks ago. Luke. Um, anyway, uh, so we basically just wanted to um, get Jorgensen on here because um, he's uh, obviously the World Series champion. Um, I think I was definitely stunned um, uh, because, you know, the Gators kind of slowed down at the end of the year, but um, they definitely earned it um, for sure because, um, fun fact, they were the first three seed ever in any division or in any MLW um season ever of the 11 seasons. Yeah, the first team ever to capture the World Series as the three seed. Um, it doesn't really feel like the three seed because every team in the NL had the same record, but um, it, it's definitely overcoming because they had to play from uh, home, or I'm sorry, they had to play away for the Eagles and the D-backs. Um, that was pretty difficult. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're just going to get into our first question. Um, so, how did it feel to um, kind of get into the MLW and um, get drafted as the first pick uh, out of the Great Lakes Skaters? Uh, it was pretty unexpected, honestly. Um, coming in, I got we just went to the uh, Wiffle Men Tournament uh, last year over the summer. We kind of talked to the guys, got to know them, and I mean, Kyle said something about like if like a team dropped out, he might ask us to join or something like that. But I mean, we weren't we didn't know how. We didn't think that was actually going to happen. We didn't think any team would drop out. And then we ended up signing up for the Winter League just just, just to play, just to have fun, you know, get all the guys together and play. We had no idea that we were going to be put into this draft when we get drafted. And then before we were just got there and we were in the lobby and before we even played any games, Kyle told us about how there was going to be a draft. And, you know, it's basically like a combine for us. So, I mean, we were all, all really excited and it was really unexpected, but – and then at the Winter League, I mean, I just, I was able to pitch really good, and Zerline saw that, and I think Kyle saw that, so I think that's what led me going first. I mean, I think with how good and how deep the rookie class was, I think there could have been a lot of other options there, too, but I think Zerline really just wanted a guy in the mound to go to, because they didn't really have that last year. Yeah, you were really a beast, you know, you were pitching really, really well the first half. You, you did, you know, fall off a little bit in the second half, but uh, I think that was part because you missed it. D-back series and you were just kind of out of it in the Eagles series because um, obviously uh, Dan's pretty hard to face, especially the, your first time up, which is pretty difficult. That has my number, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Which leads into my first question uh, with you, and it is, who was the person, uh, the toughest person that you pitched against and had to hit against, and why? Well, the toughest there I've had to face is definitely Dan Schultz. Um, he just... I don't know, it was just, I didn't really know what to throw him. He seemed on to everything, even even stuff you didn't see in the videos. He was cranking foul balls off me. It was just, I really had to pitch around and be careful. He was just onto my drop ball, and I don't know, he just has one of those swings, one of those uppercut power swings that would just, when he made contact, it would fly. So I definitely had to be careful with him. And on the other side, um, I think I struggled a little bit against Kyle especially in the World Series. But I think the toughest would probably be Tommy. Um, we didn't – I didn't see him a whole lot in that series. They kind of pitched Trevor. Trevor went like like six or seven innings in that second game, and then he started the next game. But when Tommy was out there, I mean, his drop is really – comes down at that interesting angle where it's like really hard to get to. And I don't think any of us really did much against him aside 
he's got a couple walks. So I think I think Tommy's got some nasty stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure that coming into a league like this where it's technically you no know, professionals or whatever, it had to have been tougher than anything else you saw before entering the league. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, and um, going into like our next topic, so you talked about the winter league a little bit, but um, you know everybody. Personally, I went back and watched the Wiffle and the Mitten tournament a couple weeks ago, and I and I remember that you guys were actually there. Um, as I don't know if you guys were still the Trenton trains, but I remember Chris Cheatham, Brendan Jorgensen. I think Trevor was there. I'm pretty sure. Yes, Maybe was. Jason. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was the same four. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't the trains. We were actually called Code 99 at the time, but yeah, all four of us were on the team together. We ended up losing in the quarterfinals in a tough game, but um, it was a lot of fun. Didn't get to face any MLW guys that tournament, but uh, we were really trying to win that. So, I mean, it didn't work out, but we ended up, it's better now that we're in the league, so. Yeah. You guys were the real winners. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we're actually in the league. <laughs> yeah, and um, kind of like going to your like next topic, you, so, I know that, um, I talked with Trevor about the nerves a little bit and how he felt during his first series. Um, talk about kind of how you felt um, coming to the field and how it how it felt to go to Colts Field. And, you know, obviously they're smaller boundaries than the Meadows, so you probably had to pitch, you know, pretty cautiously too. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, think it, I feel like it's a little weird, but for some reason I'm a little more nervous at the plate than I am on the mound. For some reason, I'm a little more calm and comfortable. I mean, you could see that from against the Wildcats at Colts Field. I walked my first three guys, and then I was able to gather it. So I guess that kind of just showed that I wasn't really too too nervous. I was kind of confident in my stuff, and I was able to get out of it. Um, I remember sometimes, like, going to the World Series games, going up to the plate, I felt, like, a little more nervous than out on the mound. They might have not showed that because I kind of got rocked that first game. But, um I don't know. I, I don't think I was too nervous. You know, I mean, it, it helped there being a, a lot of my friends all being, being rookies. And there's a bunch of other rookies in the league. So, I mean, maybe if I was, like, the only one and a bunch of, like, just these vets in it, then I'd be a little more nervous. But I think it was more comforting knowing that a lot of other people were in the same place as me. Yeah, and, you know, you with Chris, Um, so obviously, like, you guys live, like, I think, like, an hour away from Brighton, right? Yes. Yeah, so. Just about an hour. Yeah, so you guys, like, sometimes carpool to the field? Yeah. Um, yeah, me and Chris would drive together every time, and then whoever else wanted to come or we'd go see the Magic Series, so we would all get a car full together and head up there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I assume that uh, things weren't uh, definitely... I assume that, like, you and uh, Chris must have been pretty high on yourselves after uh, beating Trevor in that series. I must. Oh. I must be. It must be pretty. Uh, press, must have been pretty bad for Trevor driving an hour home. Yeah, I think it's a little <laughs> worse than you guys think too. We, we're just the us four mostly, like me, Jason, Chris, and Trevor. We love just going at it. Like if someone has a bad series, we'll let them hear it. If someone's doing better than someone, we like me and Chris go at Jason all the time. We'll we'll flex our we'll show our hand. <laughs> <laughs> like we have a ring on it and stuff like that, so yeah. you know, we love bantering with each other. So um, Trevor probably did not enjoy that ride home. Were there, were there ever some like real serious like arguments in the car back or to there? Um, 
No, it's never really serious. It's more just like playing around. Um, I think sometimes when Jason gets going at Trevor, Trevor gets a little butthurt. Uh, for some reason, just Jason just takes him off. I don't know. It's 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 fun though. We we always go at it. And I think I think we're all pretty good at handling the heat. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, I heard that uh, Trevor's also uh, a little mad that you guys uh, bash on him for getting a speed warning and. Not making the playoffs, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, it was weird because at the beginning of the year, I mean, we, with me and Chris getting drafted to the Gators and Jason going to Magic, we for sure thought, like, I remember Jason's mom asking us, we were like, oh, yeah, Trevor has the best chance of making the playoffs and winning something. And, I mean, once the season started going, we were just like, oh, well, I, we didn't expect the rookies to be this good. I mean, we thought it would just be, like, more similar to last year. But, I mean, we saw how competitive and how close it was. Just like, oh, I mean, it's anyone's, it's anyone's trophy this year, so. Yeah, and, oh, go ahead, Luke. No, I wasn't, I didn't have anything. Okay, um, and, you know, that kind of brings me into our, you know, first um, regular season topic. So, like, um, you talked about it a little bit, but after opening day, um, at least for the Gators and Wildcats, um, how was the rest of the time at the Meadows, and how was your three series at the Meadows? Because you didn't show up for the D-backs one, but... How confident did you feel against the Mallards, Predators, and uh, Eagles? Um, I mean, I think our, our confidence as a team kind of kept growing as it went on. Like, after we beat the Wildcats, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but, I mean, it's Kyle Schultz. We knew they, they were a good team, and when we were able to win that series, we knew we could compete with anyone. And then sweeping the Mallards and making a statement, I think, just made our confidence even better. And leading in the Pred series, we knew we could win that series going in, so then that's what we did. Um, and then towards the end of the season, you know, we kind of, me not being there for the D-back series was tough. And I think I think Chris really got down. Like, going into the playoffs after that D-back series and then the loss of the Eagles series, Chris was just like, oh, our hitting's not great. He's like, he was, he's just this really pessimistic guy sometimes. And I, I kept trying to tell him, we're on PS4 parties and stuff. I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> you not see what we did at the beginning of the year. We were, like, the best team in the first half. Like, it doesn't matter what happened last two series. Like, we still have a chance to win it all. So I just kind of had to hype him up a little bit because he gets, he gets like that sometimes. Yeah, I think you did a real good job of getting him I guess back so. on. I guess so. so. Yeah, and, um, like, you know, we did see an 8-1 and one Wildcats team to start uh, in 2018, but this team was really – I think this was the best team we've ever seen in MLW because yeah. – in the first half because you guys were – facing really, really tough opponents. You were facing all uh, three World Series champions of the last, um, oh, wait. Three years. Actually, yeah, of the last three years, yeah. yeah. And that's that's pretty funny. You had the Wildcats, you had the Preds, you had the Mallards. You had your hands full, and you swept one of them, and then you took 2-1 against two of them, which is crazy. It's, it's really, really um, crazy, especially making a statement in this league, like you said. Yeah, I think just... How competitive the league was this year. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there last year, but I watched. I saw the Seahawks. I mean, people went to the field that series knowing they were going to win. There's, there's no team in this league where I would show up and believe that like we're for sure going to win. Like anybody could win any series at any time in this league right now, and I think that's going to be the same thing for the next year. So, I mean, to do what we did in that first half, and knowing how competitive the league was, I think. We really knew that we were a good team and that we had a chance to go all the way. Speaking of uh, going all the way, there was a, a guy in the league who believes you 
couldn't go all the way, who gave you a uh, a pick yeah. at the end. <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, Drew Davis and the, the banter towards you guys, whether it was serious or not, of not being able to win? Um, I don't think it was too serious. Uh, I mean, I love Drew. Me, me and I mean, I think everyone just messes with Drew and picks on him, but he's a great guy. He takes it well, and I think he was just kind of trying to spice up the league a little bit. You know, he's got this, like, villain mentality that he likes to roll with, so I think he was trying to play up that a little bit. So, I mean, even, like, after we won the World Series, I mean, I think I Snapchat him something about Chris, like, how we won and Chris being the MVP, and, I mean, the first thing he said, he was like, oh, great job, guys. I thought he was going to be, like, all butthurt about it. I was like, dang, that's not the reply I was looking for. (laughs) Uh, You know, he was hurt, though. He was hurt. Oh, a little bit. But Drew's a good guy. Um, I hope he can win it someday. But now that I'm in the league, I kind of hope he doesn't. So. (laughs) Yeah, and... Yeah, and the funniest thing is, um, you want to talk about Drew's confidence. So, he was so confident in this season that he actually traded away... Um, the World Series MVP, uh, and um, not only that, this is the same guy who was up 2-0 against a team that consisted of Tommy Coughlin and Noah Dabrico, two um, MLW MVPs. Don't forget Steve McPeak. And Steve McPeak. Steve, Steve's got his own respect, but... And started Jack Krause, a guy who had never played... A guy who had never pitched on a wiffle ball mound in his life in World Series Game 3. And... <laughs> I mean, we know how that went for Drew, so, I mean, he's really overconfident sometimes, and um, he was talking big game to start the season, and um, that didn't mean anything at the end of the season because uh, the the uh, the Cobras missed the playoffs. Five yeah, and ten people. I mean, I'll try to testify for Drew a little bit. Um, I think he brought this up a couple times. I like to pipe it up, but how, I mean, he didn't really see too much at the Winter League. He was playing on another team and stuff so he didn't really i didn't think i don't think anyone knew that this class would be that good so i mean trading away that sixth pick i mean i don't think he thought he was gonna get that much for for from it at least and so i mean good for zerlag for going for it i mean i mean i didn't think chris would be that good i didn't think i'd be this good so it just kind of worked out our way i don't really blame you for doing that but yeah looking back it's it's not I great i don't know if i was the only one that felt this way but I really had, like, I believed in every rookie that came to the league that they would make a difference on the teams that they uh, got on got onto. Now, I picked the uh, Gators to f- still finish eighth in the league, but I did um, have you winning rookie of the year, which I don't know how that's going to go now, but I really did believe in the impact for the rookies in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew we were good players. Uh, I knew we'd make some sort of impact. I just didn't know the extent of it. I mean, what is it, four of the six MVP candidates are rookies, which is insane. So yeah. I didn't think that would happen, at least. Yeah, and um, kind of talking about, uh, you know, you're talking about your rookie of the year and um, how you guys how you guys did. Um, and I actually had you guys as a 6-9 and nine team who was going to be the three seed, and I had the D-backs missing the playoffs because I did think that you guys were actually going to make, you know, a bit of a difference. And, um, you know, going into the season, I don't think anybody thought you guys were going to be this good, but we already, like, moved on from the regular season. And talking about the postseason now, you guys kind of limped there. You went 1-5 and five to, start, to finish, even though you were 7-2 and two to start. And... How did that affect, 
I know you talked about Chris, you know, being a little deflated, but how did that affect you guys and going into the playoff series against the D-backs, a team that just swept you? Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, having me back, I think we kind of thought of it as a whole new series. I mean, we knew that they already swept us, but we knew that it was a whole different series with, I mean, we have another, I mean, me instead of big, so it'll make a big, it'll make a big impact. But I mean, I think we just came out throttling in that series. And I think that really set the tone for the rest of the playoffs. Cause I think, I don't think we played a better series than that one against the D-backs. I mean, we had, we had five solo home runs and it was our only five runs, but we were getting hits off Jimmy too at the end of the innings. They just weren't coming around for runs. And then I had a really good day on the mound, only allowing like one hit all series. So, I mean, I think, I think after that we were like, okay, especially on how hot the D-backs were at the time. We were like, okay, we can, we can definitely go all the way. And I think it really just set the tone for the rest of the playoffs. Just speaking of the playoffs and, you know, your performance, how does it feel to know that you have a guy like Chris Cheatham to uh, fall back on, maybe to help you pitch or step up for you at the plate? You know, yeah. What, what, yeah. Definitely, definitely the pitching helped a lot because, I mean, even if, even if I had just a minor bump, so once they start to see me, I mean, I, I immediately would just be like, like after Whalen hit that homer against me in the Eagles series, I was immediately like, all right, well, they're seeing me well. We have a guy that can pitch really well behind me in the outfield. So I was like, there'd be no point in me to stay in. We'll, we'll give them a different look and end up working out. So, I mean, having that is just nice because, you know, right when they start seeing me or if we switched in, Chris started, right when they start seeing him, we know that we can make the switch. So I think that really helped us because it's a lot of other teams only had one guy good to and I think that's what makes you guys so versatile and, and why you guys, I think, we're the best team in the league, of course, you won, is just that you have the depth everywhere, and you guys are real scary, so. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helped in the regular season, because I felt like going into game two of every series when Chris was pitching, I, I felt like he would be able to beat that pitcher, like, almost every time, and he pretty much did until we got to, like, the D-back series, but, I mean, having that, because, I mean, Chris is an ace in the league. He's just on the same team as me, and we're kind of – we kind of are, like, tit for tat. So, I mean, and actually, yeah. and game two against any other secondary pitcher would be improved. Yeah, and um, t- talking about uh, your, your next series against the Eagles, I know that you guys – you know, it's kind of deflating. You know, you were facing the two teams that just faced you, and they won 5-1 overall against you, and – Although Chris threw a perfect game against the Eagles to end out, it was still, I'm sure, deflating. And uh, how did you guys kind of cope with the Eagles? Because um, playoff Daniel can choke a lot, but last year we saw in the Mallard series he clutched up. So how are you feeling going into that series and during that series? Um, I mean, I mean, I knew Dan was going to be able to hit. I mean, getting through that first game was huge with me not giving up any runs because it allowed the, like, the buffer of the second game. Once they started getting on me and we can throw on Chris, we were able to afford to lose that game. And then by that time when we got to the third game, we've seen we saw Daniel all the the last year of the regular season and all of the championship series. And I mean they only saw Chris for a little bit in the regular season and then a little bit of game two. So once we got into game three, we were starting to see his riser a lot better. Uh, we were starting to see his other off-speed pitches a lot better, so I think we were more confident because 
mean, we were getting used to it. That's that's a big thing in wiffle ball. If if you're in a series with someone, once you start once you start facing them a lot, you're gonna start being able to hit them, catching up to their pitches. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, so you guys win the series. You guys are going to the World Series for the first time in franchise history, and uh, what you meet there is. Uh, I don't want to say a three-headed monster, but I kind of want to do say a three-headed monster because Kelly is probably one of the best fielders in all of MLW, in my opinion. And Sailor and Kyle can hit the cover off the ball. And um, so you guys were going into the series, um, and obviously you had, just, just like you said, you had Cheatham to fall back on if you, you know, had some pitching struggles and uh, you pitched the first game and it didn't work out so well. You know, it's 7-1, to one, but how did, like... How was your first pitching game, and how good was it to feel that you had um, Chris to fall back on? Um, I mean, it was it was really nice once again because I mean it would just changed their perspective, and uh, I mean I think just after that first game, I mean we did lose by a lot, we gave up a lot of runs, but it was all in all it was just one game. It just counted as one game for them, and we knew that we can just get it right back, and that's what we did. So, I mean, same thing with Dan. We just ended up. We saw Kyle for four games, and we ended up catching up to him, and they didn't see Chris as much. So I think that definitely played a huge factor. And uh, also with Ryan Kelly, I think Kelly's on a perfect team because he he gets so many walks, and all he needs to do on that team is get on base, and they have probably, like, the best debaters in the league right behind him. So, I mean, it's just a scary team to face. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how confident I was going in. I mean, I knew we had a chance of winning, but, I mean – Going in, I probably thought they were the favorites to win. And, I mean, I think Jason told me he thought the Wildcats were going to win. I think a lot of people thought the Wildcats were going to win. So, I mean, we just, we just went in there and just played our game and it ended up going our way. Yeah, I thought um, the veteran ship would have, like, won the World Series for them. But I also thought that you guys could have had a shot because of the depth and talent that is on your team. And, yeah, like you said, seeing, you know, a guy like Cheatham after you – you're seeing a completely different release point, arm angle. Everything's different, and I think you're right. That threw him off completely. Uh, and going into my next question is, during the World Series, when did you feel like you finally had it in your hands and you guys were going to win it all? Um, I don't think there was any point Never until point. <laughs> Chris made contact with that ball because yeah. – I mean, even just going to that last inning, it's like, we just need one more run, but, I mean, Kyle had probably the best year on the mound. I mean, we don't know what we're going to be able to get off of him, so, I mean, once once that ball hit Chris's bat, for some reason, I mean, it was close, but for some reason, I just knew I was gone, so I think that was the only point I knew we were going to win, was when it hit the, when it did hit the bat. Yeah. I mean, you can never count out Kyle, you can never yeah. count out Daniel, Tommy, these guys have been in it for years, and, um, props to you guys for being able to uh, take take him down. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I want to kind of circle back to game four. I, I just want to kind of talk about your experience with it because that was probably one of the best wiffle ball games I've watched in the postseason, and I've been watching postseason wiffle ball fully from 2018, 2019, 2020. 2017, I kind of just joined the league, so I wasn't that intrigued, but that was probably one of the best games ever, and talk about like how Kelly hit that home run, and you guys were, I'm sure, stunned like everybody else. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you see the video, I, I did like a little point because I thought it was foul. Just from my perspective in left field, it just looked like it was foul. But I mean, I know that they were right on the line. They were all celebrating. I was like, no, oh, no, that's fair. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just... I didn't know what to think. I mean, I was just like, oh, man. But, I mean, it was the first inning. It was early. So I Yeah, mean, I mean, if that's... Kelly's catching balls like that, then, you know, what does that mean for Kyle or for Nick? I mean, yeah, that... I mean, luckily, Chris was able to do really well. He, he didn't really get phased by it too much. I mean, having Kelly at home off you can really be get you bummed <laughs> out and yeah, it could lead to more runs after that, but he he did really good. He was able to shut him down after that. So, I mean, we yeah. just we just weren't too down after it. We just, I mean, at that point we didn't have the we didn't even get the hit yet. So, there was only one run. And we had plenty of time to get it back. Yeah, and I was gonna say the poise that you guys had in the playoffs and in that situation for Cheatham to not let it affect him in any way. It really says a lot about. Yeah. I mean, we were rookies in the league, but we've had we've had backgrounds in sports our whole yeah. life. I yeah. mean, me and Chris have played high school sports. I play college sports, so and we were kind of used to that. We, I mean, our whole life is basically revolved around sports. So, I mean, I don't think the pressure really got to us, even though we were rookies. I mean, we're still twenty year old. Yeah. We've already been through high school, so we're kind of used to that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, basically, so you guys get a walk-in, and Kyle was kind of giving me Tommy Coughlin vibes with the control issues uh, in the, I think it was first inning, he walked in a run, um, and that ended up um, biting him. Uh, and uh, so when that ball is hit into play, um, I know you make the play with Chris uh, in the third inning. Um, it, there was bases loaded. I, I think I'm pretty sure Sailor was up. I think it, it was either Sa- Sailor or Schultz. Kyle was up. Yeah, Kyle was up, and um, Ryan was at second. So you either take it home, which the way the balls hit, you know, you know it's not going home. Um, and you you can't take it to first. You can't take it to second. So I imagine that a, a million thoughts must have been going through your mind when you were fielding that ball because if you don't get at, get out Kelly the Wildcats take the lead two to one so what was your thought process when you were trying to uh, grab the ball and just flip to Chris as fast as you could um, I mean it's hard to remember but I do one thing I do know is I was really trying to get the force out because I knew if I went for the peg or tagged them or something and the runner already crossed at home then it would count no matter what so uh, I'm really happy Chris rushed right over the bag and was able to, once I grabbed the ball, he was just about there, so I just had to do a quick little flip, so I was really happy that he made he made a really good play there, too, and uh, and after that, actually, he made the out, he called him out, and then uh, Daniel and Brennan Schultz went to the camera, because Brennan wasn't sure if, like, Chris's foot, like, hit or not, so he was reviewing, and I was like, we were already all hyped, and we made the play, and then they're reviewing it, and I thought it might have got, like, overturned or something, so I'm like, oh, man, but then they ended up, they ended up clearing it, and we're like, yeah, it's an out, so, I mean, after that, I mean, it's kind of history right there, right? Yeah, and, you know, go, going against my question, when I asked when I, when you thought you won it, in, in, my, in my opinion, I feel like that was when you guys, like, the momentum completely shifted, because all they need is three outs to win after that, or walk off for you guys so that out was huge and really I think swung the momentum completely in y'all's favor so 
Yeah, I mean, after that, I was just like, man, I really got the, the chance to do something special here. And then, I mean, I look, and I didn't even get the chance to do something special because Chris already hit the first pitch out of the over the fence. So I was yeah. like, well, there it is. And, and if they do get a lead, you have to face Kyle Schultz. Uh, and all he has to do is get three outs on you. And, and then, then he wins, but yeah. We were, we were really just hoping that we could get out of that inning with no runs and then get the chance to just win it there. Yep. Yeah, and uh, going back to, like, uh, your world, the World Series and, um, you know, how you kind of felt. So when Chris hit that walk-off home run to, you know, kind of summarize the um, last bit, how excited were you? Because, you know, you guys have been friends for a long time, I think, and, um, you know... Obviously, uh, it, it must have been uh, awesome to come into this league and uh, really take them by storm and, you know, defeat um, a dynasty. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was crazy. I probably blacked out a little bit. I mean, I don't really remember. I know Chris said he didn't really remember what happened, so we were just all really excited. I mean, I was jumping around. Uh, and it's weird because... I mean, I think all of our friends feel this way. When it comes to Chris and really anything competitive, no one's really rooting for him. He's usually the – he's usually just like this – he's not really cocky, but he's like kind of like a funnier kind of cocky, and we're just always like – because we're always just kind of rooting for him to lose and stuff. Like, I know in fantasy football this past weekend, I wanted him to – I wanted Jason to beat him really bad and stuff like that. So – um, I know Jason feels that way. He was not happy that Chris was the one to do that. He said he much would rather have Zero Life do it or something. But, I mean, Chris is on my team. So, I mean, once he got drafted right after me, I was like, well, I guess I'm all in on Chris in this football thing because I kind of have to root for him. And I don't think that you can complain with him hit, hitting the home run. No, no, I did, not, I did not care who did that. It yeah. didn't matter to me. I mean, it would have been nice if it was me, but I that was not going through my mind at that point. I was just at, way too ecstatic. At that moment, um, when they were showing the different camera angles, I can't remember, but what were you doing at the time? Because it was first pitch. Were you walking back, or were you talking to somebody? Like, uh, Or did you I, watch I mean, the I th- pitch? I think I was definitely watching the pitch. I was next to Zerlag. I think Zerlag even called me. Like, he said that Chris was going to hit one out there. I think my dad called it, too. So, um... <laughs> So, I mean, I remember just, like, sitting down and just, like, thinking, like, I'm up to bat next. I'm game playing what I'm going to do if I want to really try to swing, if I want to try to force a walk or something like that. But, I mean, I didn't really get too far into my thought process because you just hit the first pitch out and immediately. I was just jumping around, and me and Zerlag were shoulder bumping, and I ended up tackling Chris, and it was just crazy. Yeah, because you're going – you're – thinking ahead in the future, you know, if he gets on or he gets out, yeah. do I want to play for a walk, get a hit, be aggressive? And obviously none of that ended up mattering. So. It did not matter, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't really – that was probably the best feeling of any sports moment in my life. I mean, I've played these high school sports. I've done college sports. But, I mean, it's, it's different because we're in such a competitive league and all these people are watching us. And, you know, once I won, I had all these people – congratulating me and stuff so it's crazy that I didn't know that my like best sports in my life would just be like on the wiffle ball field up yep. in Michigan so it was really weird and crazy at the same time yeah and um I just want to sh- circle back to um 
I know I'm circling back to a lot of things, but uh, game four is, um, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if this was going through your mind, but I know that you've watched a lot of MLW, but I don't know if you're a historian, if you know everything, but if uh, most of the time when you're up 2-1 on the Wildcats, they don't really care because they did it to the Eagles 2014 and 2015. And then, um, you know, they, I mean, the Eagles were up 2-1 in back-to-back years, and they didn't, and then the Nighthawks were up 2-1 in the 2012 World Series, and Kyle Schultz did not care. He just looked at it from some way, and honestly, I said, I was calling it, if you guys don't win now, if you guys don't win game four, you're not winning the series. So, I don't know if that was going through your mind, but it's definitely something to think about because it, it Kyle knows how to clutch up, so um, that's for sure. I mean, I think I mean I think there is a very good chance if we would have dropped that game four that they would have just won on and won that game five. I think that would would have been a big momentum shift in the series. And I mean, I didn't know the exact what they've done in the past, but I know how good their franchise is. I know how good Kyle Schultz is. So I we knew that. It didn't matter if we were up 2-0, 2-1. We just need to just continue to win and just close it out. So that's what we ended up doing. And glad we did it that game because who knows if we would have been able to do game five. Yeah, because if you get up on Kyle and you let him come back, there's no saying what what he can do or yeah. what the guys around him can do because he has that that X-factor ability. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're a team. They're a really hype team. Kyle, I would really love to play with Kyle. He seems like a really fun teammate to play with he's always typing his guys up he's always yelling at sailor and kelly like let's go and stuff like that so i mean i knew that i mean the momentum would be shipped a lot i mean when even when kelly had that homer i was like oh man there goes the momentum but i mean we were able to get that run on the walk and then finish it out so that was big yeah so um getting into uh the next topic and it's um you know how what is the next season going to look like for the Great Lakes Skaters? And um, I know I received a question from MLW Takes an Analysis. Like, I don't know if you know this, but do you know who's going to be on the mound mostly in twenty twenty one, or um, have you guys talked with Zerlag at all, or like, what's your plan for next year? Um, yeah, I mean, a couple weeks ago, I think me, Chris, and Zerlag were talking to each other on FaceTime for like two hours. I mean, some about football, some about like random. We grew really close over this whole year, so. But um, I mean, we're definitely gonna stick to our main core of us three. We might try to outreach and see if we can get some depth guys. Maybe get, maybe we get another pitcher just to, so people don't see me and Chris as much to come playoff time or something like that. But uh, pitching wise, I think that I mean we're just kind of roll, gonna roll with the hot hands. Uh, <laughs> me and Chris joke around because I think. When we play the Eagles, I think we know he's going two, and I'm going one. And then when we play the D-backs, I'm going two, he's going one, just because of uh, how uh, Jonah was able to hit off Chris in that D-back series, how Dan's been able to hit off me. So we kind of have that set in stone. But for the other series, I mean, we might just go some pitches first game, some pitches second game, and whoever looks better, whoever, I mean, if we can't decide, we just have zero leg decide for us, I mean. I don't think we care all that much. We just want to win, and so whatever. Just go with the flow. Yeah, just go with the flow. And speaking of Jonah, real quick, uh, that uh, going into the D-back series in the playoffs, I 
I feel like he was going to play a bigger role than he did, and that he might have uh, could have helped them pull off an upset. So, what what was the plan on shutting him down uh, and slowing him down? Um, I think I was kind of. I remember Chris said he threw uh, a lot of sliders to him, and he was able to catch up to that. So I was kind of trying to limit that pitch a little bit. But I mean, that day I was just a lot of stuff was working for me. They were swinging and missing a lot of my pitches, so I think I was just really confident that day. I just kind of stuck to my stuff, and it just kept flowing along, so I just kept doing what I was doing all the way to the end of the series, and it, and it worked out. So, um, I mean, Joe's a really good hitter. I'm still going to have to monitor that in years to come, but I mean, for that series, I was just kind of trusting myself and just pitching like I usually do. Yeah, and uh, so... Uh, I don't want to keep you forever, so we're just going to wrap it up. But uh, So getting into our last topic. Um, so it's really, really hard to repeat the World Series. In fact, no team that has ever won the World Series has ever won it again, um, uh, besides the Wildcats, obviously. And no team has also ever repeated. And although the Wildcats have done it a lot of times, or they've done it twice, but they three-peated one time, um, they also... Uh, have not um, won the World Series since 2018, and they haven't gone back-to-back since 2015. So what is your guys' game plan for 2021 and trying to bring another ship back to uh, the Gators? Um, I mean, if we can win next year, I think that'd be, that'd be really insane because I think, I mean, obviously it's hard for a team to repeat in the past years, and even now I think it's even more impressive because... I mean, you saw how competitive the league was this year, and I think it's going to be similar in the same way next year. So, uh, I mean, I think we're just going to do what we do. I think we have a really good pitching core, so um, I don't think we need too much offense, but, I mean, we're going to need to hit more home runs. Uh, Chris's timely home runs were really nice last year, so if we can't get that next year, then we got to find another way to manufacture runs. So, I mean, I think we just got to just keep doing what we're doing, be confident, and uh, I mean, we got a target on our backs this year, so we just got to keep playing well and just see what happens. I don't even know what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm so excited for next year. I, I miss it so much. I want to get out there They're so bad. Sure. Yeah, and um, kind of just the last thing here, no team is, um, no team in the AL has ever gone back to the World Series two years in a row, um, and only one team since the divisions were formed has gone back to the World Series two years in a row, and that was the Mallards in 2017 and 2018. So that's still a target to win the pennant at, at all. Um, and I think it's going to be really, really competitive. Um, so thanks, Luke. Thanks, Brendan, for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. Um, Brendan, thanks for um, everything. Luke, thanks for everything. Um, uh, no problem. Yeah. Um, so um, we'll, we'll wrap it up right now, guys. Um, thanks for tuning in, uh, and we'll see you next episode.